Okay. Um, so it's my privilege to introduce um, Paige to you. Paige is going to come and speak to you um, about um, prayer as a fuel for evangelism. I um, have just got to know Paige on the run-up to New Day, really, but I've seen her speaking at two different um, conferences I've been to over the last year or so. Um, and she's just got an incredible um, gift of evangelism and has got loads of amazing stories to tell. And I really believe that she's going to really fuel you guys to go out there and do this stuff. So let's give her a massive round of applause. Oh, good morning. I am amazed at the number of people in this room. I was saying to Jody this morning, oh, once you put the word evangelism in the title of a seminar, the numbers normally go down. But amazing young people, good on you because you're all here. Nice to see some keen beans um, on prayer and evangelism. So as Jody said, my name's Paige Marrett. I am 22 years old. And it's a real, real honest privilege to be here with you this morning. I think the reason that Jodie asked me to speak is that I'm on staff as an evangelist for our church um, in Attleboro, in Norfolk. I can see some of my young people. I don't want to embarrass you. Um, and this is my 10th year in a row at New Day. So I've been doing something for a decade in my life. makes me feel really old. Um, and New Day is a really special place for me. I recommitted my life to Jesus at New Day. I had my first ever prophetic word at New Day. I spoke in tongues for the first time at New Day. Um, I made a big move. So three years ago, I did the Outreach Bootcamp program, and they advertised an internship in evangelism, and I went for it. And that was probably one of the best decisions of my life. So I'm living in Norfolk now. I moved from Worthing. Is anyone here from Worthing? Yay! Oh, cool. Thanks, guys. Um, So I live here now. I live about 20 minutes away from here. And two years ago on the outreach program, I met a man called Benny, and we just got married. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) It happens, kids. So it's safe to say that um, New Day is a pretty special place for me. And it's pretty cool to be here talking about my two favorite, favorite things in life, loving Jesus and loving others as well. So as I said before, I'm uh, an evangelist, which can sound like a bit of a funny word. So when people ask me what that means, I often say that I just try to help people understand more of who Jesus is. So one part of my job is going into our town, making new friends, going to cafes, going out on the streets and um, telling anyone who will listen about the love of Jesus, but also listening to them and making friends and also having fun. And the other half of that is... um, to help the church get out and do the same thing. So they are both really fun things. Um, So if I can just pray to start, that would be great if you just want to join with me. Father, we thank you that you are here in this room right now. Thank you for the wonderful work that you've been doing over the last week. Thank you that you care about us. Thank you that you are completely and utterly devoted to us. You are working for our good. You are for us and not against us. Thank you that you have a specific plan for each one of our lives, a tailor-made adventure for each one of us in this room to go on with you. And you are so excited for what you will do through this amazing group of young people. Thank you that you're here. I just pray that any words that are of me would just fall to the ground and that you, by your Holy Spirit, would inspire everyone in this room to go on an adventure with you and to see some awesome things happen for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. 
So um, on my outreach internship year, I was going out on the streets for about three, three to four times a week. And um, that was so nerve-wracking for me. The first morning, my pastor, Rob, said, okay, Paige, you've got three hours. Um, you can go out and just tell people about Jesus. And I was like, yeah, sure, that's great. And then inside I was like, oh, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I don't know. Why am I here? I don't know anyone. What am I going to do? All these kinds of things. But um, since then, I've just gone on an amazing and really fun adventure with Jesus. Um, and uh, about three to four times a week, I would tell anyone who would listen about him. And I've seen a broad range of things happen in people's lives. So I've seen someone come to know Jesus in about 20 minutes of speaking with them. I've seen um, people go on a journey over, the, over a period of two years and then coming to know Jesus or even not coming to know Jesus. I've cried with strangers on park benches in my town, and I've seen people healed in our bus stop, and um, I've even led a prisoner to Jesus Christ in Norwich Prison, which was weird and amazing. And that all can sound quite glamorous when you put it all together like that, but the reality is it's not always very glamorous. I'm, I'm not always confident to do any of those things. And I certainly wasn't growing up. I was an incredibly, incredibly shy child, um, very insecure, very broken inside. And um, like the thought of talking to anyone new literally would have want to make me want to like die, like the ground to swallow me up. I was so shy um, and I, I guess introverted. I'd like to spend a lot of time on my own. But my life totally changed when I experienced the real and tangible love that Jesus Christ had for me. When I knew the friendship that he had that would last forever and the security that um, I could have in him, it just spilled out over me and I just couldn't stop telling anyone who would listen about him. And I just wanted everyone else to experience the joy that comes from knowing him. And um, really just an urgency, actually, to get out there and tell people a real feeling that time is short and people need to know or at least have the choice to accept him or not. And that was the burden that I had. So when I was 18, I ran an alpha course in our local high school, really not knowing what it would be like, not being very confident to do it at all, didn't really know what I was doing. But 40 students came every week to this course, and 10 of them gave their lives to Jesus. And that was the first time I think I realized the joy that it is to see on someone's face when they experience the tangible love of Jesus. And I still get quite emotional when I think about it. Um, and afterwards, one of my leaders said to me, do you know what, Paige, I think you might have the gift of evangelism. And I thought to myself, no way. I am the shyest, quietest person you could ever meet. Um, I, enjoy, I enjoy it, but I'm also kind of scared by it. I was like, no way, that's not my gifting. And um, <clears throat> over time, I realized that the evangelists that I, I was seeing were very loud and outgoing and charismatic, and I thought I had to fit into that mold to tell people about Jesus. But over time, through mixing with other Christians, and actually Outreach Bootcamp had a massive part to play in this as well, I realized that the only thing you need to tell people about Jesus is to love him 
and to be willing to share it with others. That's the only things you need. And if you just take that one thing away from today, I'll be so happy. If you can let that affect you, that it doesn't matter what the outcome is. It doesn't matter if I get a little bit embarrassed. It doesn't matter if my friend says no. The important bit is that I love Jesus and I want other people to know the joy that is knowing him. Can I tell you a story? Is that all right? So one summertime in Attleboro, I had been hearing loads of really cool stories from people like Todd White. Has anyone heard of Todd White? Yeah, cool. He um, has an amazing evangelistic gifting, but he was telling stories of how he had amazing words of knowledge for people. And a word of knowledge really, I guess, is just hearing a piece of information from God for someone that you wouldn't have known otherwise if he hadn't told you. So he was going into schools and prophesying over these children. You have had this, this, and this happen in your life, and God wants to do this and this. And I was hearing it and thinking, oh, wow, like I would really love some of that. And someone actually gave me a prophetic word about being able to do the same thing and having really specific words of knowledge. So I was like super psyched for this. I was like, okay, Lord, you've said it. I want it. Let's go for it. So the next time I went out onto the streets, um, I said to the Lord, um, Lord, you've said this, and I believe that I hear from you when I pray, and when I pray to you, you hear my prayers. So I'd really love it if you could give me someone's name so that when I speak to them, I could say, hey, um, is this your name, and get it right, and then they would be like, whoa, God knows my name, because I had heard of that kind of thing happening before. So I prayed, okay, Lord, I'm going to go out now, I'm going to be brave, and um, just drop, drop a name into my head. So I went out, I was walking along, and the name June just came into my head. And I thought it was for this lady who was um, on the other side of the road. So I went over, quite brave, having to be brave, and I said to her, Hi, um, this might sound a bit strange to you, but is your name June by any chance? And she said, No, it's Liz, why? And I was like, Oh, okay then, (laughs) sorry to bother you. And I was like, okay, Lord, that's fine. Like, just got it wrong, but I trust you. And I went up to the next person and I said, hi, this might sound a bit strange, but is your name Mark by any chance? And he said, no, it's Rob. Why? And I was like, oh, right, okay, right. Get on my courage. And this happened for months, like months. I was going out three to four times a week doing this. And it happened for a period of months, not getting it right ever at all. And I got to this point, I was just sat on the wall by the bus stop in our town in Attleboro, just like, Lord, you have said that you're going to do this through me. I've been doing it. I've been being obedient. Like, why is it not happening? I'm totally frustrated. And you know what? Maybe I should just give up. Maybe I'm just not good enough. And he said to me, go one more time. So I was like, fine, And I was procrastinating, and to be honest, I was quite tired of it. But I thought, you know what? He said one more time, so I'll go one more time. So I walked up to this man, and I was feeling a bit nervous. So I thought, maybe I won't do the name. Maybe I'll try something else. So I went up to him and said, hi, um, this might sound a bit strange, but do you have three children by any chance? And he went, no, I have four children. Why? And I was like, oh, okay. Um, Well... I'm a Christian, and I'm learning to hear from God, and I don't always get it right, so sorry that that wasn't right, but do you mind if I just try something else? And he was like, okay. So I said, do you have a dog by any chance? And he said, no, I've got two cats. And I was like, 
Oh, okay. Well, I might as well just try his name. So I said, okay, is your name John by any chance? And he went, no, it's Vinny. Oh, my goodness, I was so mad. I was so mad. But actually, in that moment, after I calmed down a bit, I just felt the pleasure of God for me that he um, saw me be willing to go again when he asked me to. And actually, um, that was kind of even better than getting it right because I experienced an intimate um, relationship with God and he was so pleased with me. And I guess that kind of leads me to my first point. Um, It's the obedience that matters, You can go for it. You can do it. And all of this, prayer and evangelism, is all about relationship with him. It's really not about what happens. It's not about how many people you see saved or healed. It's about getting to know him in the process. And when when you get to heaven and you get to stand before him, and he'll say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant, for doing what I've asked you to do. So today I'm going to talk about four lessons in prayer and evangelism that I've learned um, through my own experience, but also from others. Um, But really, I just want you to take away from it that you can do it. You really can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Um, So my number one point is God loves dependent prayer. Number two, God loves humble prayer. Number three, God loves persistent prayer. And number four, God loves specific prayer. So my number one point, God loves dependent prayer. And when I start to explain it, you might say, it might sound a bit discouraging, but it's not. It's encouraging, I promise you. On the subject of prayer and evangelism, you can't do it alone. You just can't. And trust me, from my, from my own experience, and I still do it now, when I try to do it alone, I just can't. And God loves it when we depend on him in prayer God loves dependent prayer. Repeat after me. Dependent. Dependent. Oh, good. God loves the kind of prayer that depends on him to come through. He loves bold prayers that say, God, you said this, so you're going to have to come through on it. And he loves it when you pray for miracles that you wouldn't be able to do yourself. Because when he comes through on it, he gets all the glory from it. He loves it when you depend on him in your prayer. But also, he loves it when you depend on him when you pray. So often when I go to a seminar, like especially on evangelism, I'm looking out like, what's my new method? What am I going to try when I get home? How are we going to get people saved? Like, what's the new thing? But when we think like that, and I know from my own experience, when I think like that, when I go home and try this new method... um, It might work for a bit, I might get a bit bored, or it might not work, and then I get disappointed, or it might work, but it never kind of seems to quite satisfy you, um, because that's that's because you're depending on yourself rather than depending on God. And it's the same in your prayer life. When you you think, okay, right, I'm going to go home. So I've done this after New Day several times when I've gone home, like, psyched, like, I'm going to go home, I'm going to get up 6.30 a.m. Monday morning, I'm going to pray my heart out. Every day, I'm going to do 15 minutes. And then, when I don't do it, I get discouraged in myself, and I get annoyed at myself. Or, on 6.30 on Monday morning, I'm tired, my eyes are going like this. Or I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast. Or I'm thinking about arranging my bookshelf into alphabetical order, which I've never had a desire to do ever before in my life. Um, And then when 
when those things start happening, I don't know, if, this is my experience, it might be your experience, I kind of hope it isn't, but then the lies come, like, you're not good enough, you can't pray, like, look at you, you tried, but you can't do it. Anyone experienced that before? But here's some good news for you. Romans 8:26 says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. He prays on our behalf through wordless groans. So there's a few things in there. The Spirit, the actual living God, helps us in our weakness. So when you're there praying and you're getting distracted, the Spirit is praying for you on your behalf. And he's listening to your prayers and he's kind of bringing it through, through wordless groans, like it's a deep thing for him. He wants these things to happen. These um, godly dreams that you have, these people that you're praying for in your life, he wants them to experience his love, his tangible love. And so he's praying for you on your behalf. So we can't do it alone, but he's helping us in it. Isn't that good news? I think that's good news. Um... As I said before, prayer and evangelism is all about relationship with him. When you realize the friendship that you have in Jesus, where he will never, ever let you down, never, he will never abandon you. When you feel his love, when you're on your own in your bedroom, when you know the glory that is to come, when there's no more pain or crying or sickness, when you know that he's won that for us, it spills out of you. It's an organic thing. It's a natural that you would want others that you love around you to know him. And um, we see lots of different methods of evangelism and different styles and things, but really it all boils down to a relationship with him and actually going on an adventure. It can be really fun. Has anyone ever had fun telling someone about Jesus before? Like when you see the look on their face, when they've never heard that Jesus loves them and that he died for them, like that is the, for me, that is the best feeling in the world. It's a joyful thing. Um, I've got a friend now, but two and a half years ago, I was in a car, in my car park in Attleboro, and I really wasn't feeling it. Like I really didn't feel like I wanted to tell people that God was good because I actually didn't really feel it. So I sat in my car and I just sang a simple worship song. And um, actually, when I finished, I kind of felt this smile on my face. And I said, okay, Lord, where would you like me to go today? That's often what I ask him. Where would you like me to go? And he said a, sp- a little cafe. And it wasn't like a booming voice. It was just like a little feeling that maybe I should go to this one cafe. And when I walked in, I just smiled at this lady And later on, it turned out that she works there. She sat down with me, and she said, oh, what are you reading? And I said, oh, it's a Bible. And she was like, what? I've never seen a young person read a Bible, let alone in a cafe. And we chatted for ages um, about Jesus, and I listened to her for a long time. She ended up coming to our mums and toddlers group. I see her pretty much every week now. She's made friends with other people in our church. She's one of my favorite people to hang out with. It's just fun. Like, it really is just fun. And we do, like, crafting things together. And she just loves it. It is a really fun thing. Um, But I had to depend on God for that because I really wasn't feeling it. And if I'd just gone home, I wouldn't know her now. And I had to depend on him. I had to say, Lord, I need you today. And he came through on it. 
So he does come through. So that's not, first point, God loves dependent prayer. Number two, God loves humble prayer. Say humble. Humble. And we've been hearing really cool stories this week of what God is doing all over the world. Like he is transforming people's lives by the thousand, even by the hundred thousands in South America, in China, it might not feel like he's doing a lot in our nation because we're in a bit of a desperate state. But he is doing an awesome thing. And we have heard some of those stories this week. But there is, there is one thing that will catalyze all of that, and that is prayer. Because it's about relationship with him, and he's the one who will do it. Psalm 3 verse 8 says, Salvation belongs to the Lord. We can't save people, but he can. And we need a relationship with him to bring those things about. And he wants that. Um, Do you know that he wants an adventure with you? Do you know that he has specific things for you to do that you will enjoy? You will have fun with him. I promise you, when you go on this adventure in prayer and evangelism, I promise you. If you gave it a go this year and came back, I guarantee you would have stories of joyful things that God has done in people's lives and in your life. Jonathan Edwards, an American revivalist preacher, once said this. When God has something to accomplish for his church, it's with his will that there should precede it or come before it the extraordinary prayer of his people. When God wants to do something in the church, he wants extraordinary prayer to come before it. And extraordinary, you might think, oh, I have to pray for days. I have to fast and pray and all this thing. Really, no, it's not that. It's about depending on him. Extraordinary prayer is just great relationship with Jesus. A story for you. Um, one man called Jeremiah Lamphier decided to pray for his nation. He just decided that it would be a good thing to pray. And at noon on September 23rd in 1857, in a Dutch Reformed church on Fulton Street in New York City, This man, Jeremiah, knelt alone. Before 1 p.m., six men had joined him. Within a month, a hundred men had joined him daily. And soon, thousands and thousands of men began to pray each day at noon around New York City. I assume that means women as well. Women can pray too. (laughs) Um, This resulted in one million Americans coming to know Jesus within a two-year span. So can you imagine in New Day 2020, we have one million people in this tent like we wouldn't even fit in there because one of you decided that you would like to pray for your nation. Like that is possible. God has done it in the past. He's not in the business of just doing things once. Like he loves it. He absolutely loves it. It's possible. It started with one guy. This could start with you. You could say to your friend, do you know what, actually, I'd love it if we could pray for our school. How about we meet on Monday lunchtimes and just pray for 15 minutes? Like, God hears your prayers, and things will happen from it. Why don't you grab your friend and say, oh, after work on a Tuesday, let's just go for a walk and pray for our town, and just see what happens. Like, how fun would it be if, like, your whole school came to know Jesus? I heard in the 1214s yesterday, they were hearing a story of one boy who decided to run an alpha course. He did a, um, an assembly to advertise it, decided that he would just preach the gospel. And um, I can't remember, but loads of people stood to respond. Like, that can happen in your school. Like, it's really cool. I just want to inspire you. Just go for it. Just do it and see what happens. Another story, a man called David Wilkerson. Has anyone heard of him? Um, the Cross and the Switchblade, if you've read that book, 
If you haven't read it, read it. It's so inspiring. And what happened with him is just a small town preacher in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, this tiny little town in America. And God prompted him to give up his TV because he realized he was sitting watching TV for like two hours a night, just mindless stuff. And God prompted him to sell it. And in the story, he tells how he was really reluctant to do it. Um, but eventually he did, and he decided that the two hours a night that he would spend watching the TV, he would just pray. And he found it difficult to begin with, but over time, God started to speak to him. And he spoke to him about going to New York to work with um, the most violent gangs in New York. And this is a small-town preacher. Like, as a human being, you would not pick a small-town preacher to go to New York and work with the gangs, would you? But God chose him. God chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that resulted in thousands of these gang members turning away from violence and choosing a better way. And um, a program called Teenage Evangelism was born through that that has gone internationally. And that was in the 1960s. Last week, I heard about a man in Thetford, which is not far from here, who got saved through that program just recently. He was a criminal, and God has transformed his life. And so that thing that was going on in the 1960s, when David Wilkerson decided to give up his TV, has now affected a man in a small town in Norfolk. Like, that's so cool. It started with one man humbly praying. And of course, we have our ultimate model in Jesus Christ just took himself off to pray. He just took himself off to spend time with his father. And he has revolutionized our world and is still transforming hundreds of thousands of lives today in 2018. It starts with humble prayer. So, number one, God loves dependent prayer. He, he loves it when we depend on him. Number two, he loves humble prayer when we just decide to pray. Number three, he loves persistent prayer. The Bible is full of stories who, uh, who, of people who decide to persist for things, and they're pretty much always put in a good light. So if you've read in Luke 18 the story of the uh, persistent widow with the unjust judge, if you haven't read it, go for it and maybe use a bit of time just to kind of read over it. It's only eight verses. Uh, A great story of a widow who um, has had something bad happen to her and she goes to this judge for justice. But this judge is not a good judge. He does not do things fairly. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't really care about people. But she goes to him and she bangs on at him and she bangs on at him again. Give me justice. Give me justice. Give me justice. And in the end, he just says, oh, all right, then I'll give you what you want just because you've come to me so many times. And then Jesus says this in verse six, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. He doesn't say learn a lesson from this lady necessarily, but he's saying learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man comes, but when the Son of Man comes, when he returns, how many will he find faith on the earth. How many on the earth will have faith? Our generation is so used to our quick fix, fast food, Amazon Prime, next day delivery. Like, I was ordering something the other day and I was like, three to five working days, no way, I'm going to pay more like, to get it tomorrow. We're so used to that culture, aren't we? Getting things quickly. But um, I was in Jody's seminar and we were talking about slowing down. It's good to slow down. 
And on the face of it, it can look like this generation, our generation, doesn't know how to persist in prayer. But I believe that God is calling this generation to persist for good things in him, to persist with God, to come back to him and say again and again, God, save my friend Julie. God, I need my brother to come to know you. Time is short. And to come again and again and again. And he's looking out. God is looking out for, for you and for me, people like us, to just look to him and say, I'll pray and I'll pray again. And he will bless you in that, I promise you. One of the first times I realized um, persistent prayer was great. And obviously, I'm only 22 years old. I've only been doing this for a few years. So my version of persistent prayer isn't really that long in the grand scheme of things. I know there are many people, even probably in this room and in our churches, who have persisted for decades for these things and have seen them come through. Um, but one of my experiences of the joy of persistent prayer was I really, really wanted to lead someone to Jesus, like on the street. That was, I just really wanted to see that happen. So over the period of about three years, every time I, th- I would think about it, I would think, Lord, I would just love it if I got to meet someone who was just ripe and ready and got to lead them through. Like, would you just grant me that? Like, please. And so I was praying for this for about three years, on and off, not every day at all. And then I was visiting um, Benny, who was my husband now, but was my fiancé then, in South Africa. He was there for a year doing some missionary work. And um, one of his friends um, told us when he came in one morning, was like, I just led someone to Jesus on the street, like I didn't know them before. And um, it was so cool when he was telling us, and we celebrated with him. It was great. And then later on, Benny and I were going into Cape Town for the evening, and we were in the car, and I was just saying, oh, how cool was it when your friend, like, led someone to Jesus? Like, that's never happened to me, but I would love it to happen. And so we sort of prayed, like, Lord, would you let that happen tonight even? Like, sort of in a cheeky way, not even like, Lord, would you do this? But just like, oh, Lord, would you do that? And um, to be honest, after that, I forgot about it. We had a nice evening, we watched a film and had some food and then we were walking down the street in Cape Town and if you've ever been to Cape Town, there are a lot of people kind of on the streets in the evening and lots of homeless people and they're all coming up to you like begging for things and this, la- this young lady tapped us on the shoulder and just said, hi, I'm really sorry to bother you but I'm, and I'm not asking for money, I just really need some food, I haven't eaten for four days um, and I have cancer in my throat, so I can't really swallow. Um, so even just some milk, like just a tiny bit of milk would do. And we said, of course, we'll buy you some milk. That's not a problem. So we took her to the shop, and she just kept saying, wow, I can't believe you would do this. Like, I've been asking people for four days, and no one's even looked at me twice. And Benny said to her, well, it's, these are not our resources. These are God's resources, and he wants to use them to bless people, and he wants to bless you today. Do you know that Jesus loves you? And she was like, I don't know if I do, but that sounds really cool. And we chatted for a while, and Benny said to her, hey, Jade was her name, would you like us to pray for your cancer? Because the name of Jesus is really powerful. Would you like us to pray for you? And she said, yes, please. And previously, um, I think I just said just now, she couldn't swallow. She could hardly swallow. It was really painful for her. And um, so we prayed in the name of Jesus that cancer would shrivel up and die. A really short, simple prayer. 
And then she started to swallow and she was like, oh my goodness, like I can swallow. This is amazing. Do you mean like Jesus did this for me? She was just amazed, like amazed. And we said to her, yeah, like Jesus loves you. We don't think it's a coincidence that we've met you today. And she was shuffling on her feet like this. And she said, oh, I'm sorry I'm shuffling, but I've really hurt my leg. I can't do this. And we said, oh, would you like us to pray for that? And she was like, no, I don't want you to pray for that. I want you to pray that I would know God, like I need him in my life. (laughs) We looked at each other like, is this really happening? (laughs) So we led her to Jesus. And after, um, after we prayed, she said, wow, I belong to someone. Oh, I still nearly cry when I think about it now. And the weird thing was, two days previous to this, we'd been in a cafe in Cape Town, and we happened to sit next to a guy who was reading his Bible, and we started chatting to him, and it turned out he was a church leader in Cape Town. And when we were chatting to Jade on the street two days later, it turned out that his church was right across the road from where we were. And so we could point her there and um, encourage her to go and speak to someone, grab a Bible, and all of those things. And persistent prayer like God loves to give us things when we pray and you never know when the breakthrough is going to come through and I know it can sometimes feel like I've been asking for this forever and ever I might as well just give up because maybe God doesn't even hear my prayers but you know what disappointment doesn't have to be a bad thing disappointment if you let it can actually um, revive your dreams and revitalize your prayer life Because when you let disappointment get to you and start making you think, oh, maybe I wasn't doing it right, maybe I wasn't doing these things, it can lead you down a rabbit hole and it's hard to get yourself out of there. But if you catch it, or even when you're down the rabbit hole, God knows, you can bring the disappointment to him and say, Lord, I'm actually really disappointed about this. He loves it when we're honest with him and say, I'm really disappointed, I'm really frustrated. Um, Can you take this and do something with it? Um, so it can it can revitalize your prayer life and actually when you do that it sometimes gives you more life to pray and if you ask the Holy Spirit he'll give you more things to pray as well and just keep going and if you're feeling that today can I just encourage you just keep going like God loves it and he wants to commune with you and have fun with you as well in this even though it can be really painful Um, he wants to resurrect dead lives he wants to resurrect disappointment resurrection shouldn't be something that we just celebrate on easter god is in the business of resurrection and he's in the business of it today so we can believe him that our dreams will come to life in him we can depend on him we can trust him and if we if we use it to fuel our prayer lives he will do something awesome so my last thing before we're going to do a little prayer activity is that god loves specific prayer he loves God loves, 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 loves to come through on a promise that he's made. He loves it. It's all the way through the Bible. He's always promising things, and he loves to come through on it because it brings him so much glory. It brings so much joy to his church and joy to the nations as well. Um, And he wants to do that with you. He wants to bring these things about, but he loves it when we're specific about it. When you pray vague prayers, like I always find myself praying vague things like, Lord, bless this person today, give them what they need. And actually, it's kind of hard to tell whether he did that or not. Do you ever find that? Like, yeah. 
But when you say, Lord, I know this person is struggling today, maybe would you send them a Christian to go and encourage them in their workplace? And if you write it down, then when that friend comes back to you and said, oh, this Christian came to me today, you can say, I pray for that this morning, that specific thing. Like how much... Like, how much joy would you have from that? And it's really cool when we're specific. And I just imagine that God would be, like, smiling about that, kind of, like, laughing about it, like, yeah, I came through on it. Like, you didn't think that was going to happen, but I knew. Um, When I was preparing for this um, talk, I was reading a book called The Circle Maker. Um, If you're into books, it's a great one to read. It's really simple, and it's, like, jam-packed of really cool stories that will inspire you. And it tells of a man called Honey, I was actually living in a time previous to Jesus, and it was a time of really severe drought. And he's kind of like a weird guy, um, and he lives outside the walls of Jerusalem. And he, he kind of, they kind of like leave him there because he's a little bit crazy, and they're not really sure what to do with him. But he just prays, like he's a real prayer. So after years of this drought, the people come to him and they say, Honey, like, we've exhausted all our options. Like, we need you to pray that we get some rain because it's getting a really serious problem. And what he does is a bit surprising. He picks up a stick and he draws a circle around himself on the ground all the way around. And they go, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm not going to move from this spot I'm not going to eat or drink until God brings the rain. And then he just starts to pray. And he starts to pray for rain that fills all the cisterns and the caverns and the pits that have been dry for so many years. And also he prays for God's favor and blessing on his people. And sure enough, the rain came. And it filled all the cisterns and the caverns. And um, it was a really cool story. And people are still talking about this now. Like, how many thousands of years later? And the guy who wrote the book, Mark Batterson, um, wrote the book The Circle Maker, describes how he was inspired by the Israelites, um, who, when God came through on a promise that he had given them, they would write it on a stone, and then they would pile them up. And then every time they were feeling discouraged, they would go to these piles of stones and remember that God came through Um, on his promises, and it would encourage them. So this guy, Mark, decided that he was going to gather his church, and they were going to, in faith, write promises that God had given them on these stones, and then they prayed for them, and they prayed for them again and again, and they kept all the stones together in the church, and they would regularly pray over them. And he said that all... uh, Most of them have come to pass, so six of those seven things, like majorly specific, big miracles, like buildings that cost millions and millions and millions of pounds with all these specific rooms in them and all of these things, they've all come to pass. So I kind of thought that maybe we could do that today, just as um, something to kind of cement in what you can take away. I realize it's hot and you're tired, but my hope is that um, as we do this activity, it will kind of cement in what God is saying. So what I've got is some Jenga blocks. Like I didn't have stones. <laughs> um, I've got Jenga blocks, and I think probably we can have one each. Um, but if you're a youth leader, can you just hold it loosely? And then if we don't have enough, um, give it to a young person. And what I'm going to do is just give you um, five minutes ish to just have a moment with God by yourself and say, God. Can I have a promise? Or if you've already got a promise from him, 
You can write it down. And I want, if possible, for you to be really specific about that. So in our church, we've had six weeks of prayer where we've met four times a week. And we've been praying for specific things. And one of those things was that we wanted to baptize 10 people by the end of the year, by December, which was a big thing for us. We are a small church. And um, we're starting to see some change, but that was a specific prayer. So that's just one example of something you might want to pray. You might want to pray for one of your friends at school or college. Say, Lord, please save this person. And then I want you to pray over those things. I want you to pray again. And you can take this block away with you. Keep it in your room. Somewhere where you can see it. And every time you see it, just pray. It doesn't have to be long. Just a short prayer. Lord, do this, please. In your name, Jesus. I really love what Toppy was saying last night in the tent about um, when you have the name of God, you can go places that you never would have been able to before. Does, that, does anyone remember him speaking about that? Um, he, was able, he was saying that um, he had this airport lounge card with Mr. Colioso on it. But his son had been using his card to go into these airport lounges because it had his name on it. And we have the name of Jesus. We carry his name. And when we pray in his name, extraordinary things happen. And he'll take you places that you never, ever would have imagined. I know this is my experience. And trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. There are some brave people in this room. God wants to use you. God is calling us as a generation to spend outrageous time with him, to pray for outrageous things, to love him outrageously, and to love our communities outrageously. God is doing an awesome thing. I don't know if you felt that. So what I'm going to do, I think...